Welcome to the Perky Collar Radio Show. I'm your host, David Frankel. This show is for those that are inventors, entrepreneurs, business owners that want to hear some great stories about other entrepreneurs and business owners, what they're doing, how they did it, how they fail, how are they successful, and just want to know more and more about the day-to-day business so they can learn to make their business better. It's all about the power of peers. So every episode is intended to teach you something from someone else's experience to help make your business even more successful. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome back to the Perky Collar Radio Show. I'm your host, David M. Frankel. Today I have a very exciting guest. Her name is Audrey Bell Kearney, and she has a long list of accomplishments. So bear with me as I go through this long list. She's the founder of Noise Media Network. She's the founder of Pod Chicks International. She's the host of her very own podcast called Good Morning Gwinnett and the Pod Chick. She's also the founder of HerTube TV, and she's also an author of these books, What's Your Big Idea, The Ultimate Guide for New Entrepreneurs, I Want to Write a Book, Now What?, A to Z of Self-Publishing, and Can They See You Now? Did I get all that right, Audrey? You got it right, David. Well, that's our 15 minutes. I appreciate you guys tuning in. (laughs) (laughs) How are you this morning? I'm good in yourself. I'm doing very well. So kick us off. Obviously, you founded a lot of companies, but kick us off with one, two, or three of the stories of why you started each of those companies, Noise Media and Pachix International and Virtual TV. It's so funny. They all came later in life. I'm actually, um, I'm an inventor. I invented the first plus-size fashion dolls. I call that my first real business. I started that company in 1999, and um, I was working in pharmaceutical. I was working as a pharmaceutical uh, clinical uh, specialist where I did uh, nothing but databases. It sounds like really impressive, but it was all data entry. And I worked at Novartis Pharmaceuticals, and um, I was at work one day, and I really, you know, I was trying to figure out what to do with my life because I hated that job so much. And I remember, and I was actually filling in for a friend who was on maternity leave, but I, when she came off maternity leave, I left there and I went to work at Verizon and hated that job just as much as the pharmaceutical job. And I remember being at an opportunity meeting for Primerica because that's what I had just got my license as a Primerica financial analyst specialist and didn't really didn't really know what I was doing because I was so new, but I had a person who wanted to join the business with me. So we were at a recruiting meeting and I said to her, I said, you know, I had this idea for um, a, a, a doll. And she said, a doll? I said, I said yeah. She said, I said, it's a, I said, it's a fat fashion doll. Have you ever seen one? And she said, no. All I want to know is, can I be the vice president of the company? And I was like, sure. So it was kind of like a joke at the time, David. But she invited me to her house like a couple of days later because she wanted to show me something. So when I got to her house, she had this doll that she had just purchased from Mattel for $250. And I said to her, you paid $250 for a doll? And she was like, yeah, I'm a collector. And I said to her, oh, my God, we're going to be rich because I'm thinking I got this <laughs> idea. People are paying $200 for dolls. We're going to be rich. And so that that that's what kicked me off. as a, I call it a real entrepreneur. I had sold Avon and I had sold Magnus and potions and lotions and all kinds of stuff. I had not sold panty girdles, though. And, um, but I call that my real business because that really put me out there um, in the space of learning about business, had, learning how to find investors for your business and putting together a business plan and really learning how to market with no money because we didn't have any money. Um, at that time, I was, um, I think I was 30 years old and had a ton of credit card debt when I came out of college. So I had to file bankruptcy when I was like 24. 
And so it was like I had no money. I was a single parent of this little girl. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to do something. But I was crazy, David. And I, I would tell anybody, don't do this. I was crazy. I had this big idea. <laughs> That's why the book is called What's Your Big Idea? I had a big idea. I quit my job at Verizon. They were like, you have lost your mind to go follow some dream for some doll. And I was like, absolutely. And I put my head down running and I've been an entrepreneur for the past 23 years, 21 of those full time. Good for you. We're all a little crazy. And it's the fact that we know we're crazy. That's what helps us get through every day. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, the doll is very interesting because I, I, I guess I can relate that not every girl looks like Barbie. You know, it shouldn't be too shocking for too many listeners. What is the name of your doll? So the doll company is a line of them. The doll company was called Big Beautiful Dolls. And um, I had three dolls in the line, an African-American doll, a white doll, and a Spanish doll. My African-American doll name was Deja. Um, my white doll name was Dawn. And my Spanish doll name was Dina. So it was the three. We had we had like a little newsletter for them. And they had their own thing. They, had the, they have a whole fan club on Facebook started by a guy out in Texas. They love the dolls. We haven't made the dolls since 2005. Um, but people still love them. They have their own fan club and everything. Wow. That's a great idea. Yeah. And obviously it's important for girls to dress up knowing that not everybody looks like Barbie. Yeah. Nor should, they try and, nor should they try and look like Barbie either, which I think causes a lot of uh, anorexia, bulimia and things like that. Uh, and just lower self-worth as well. If you don't think you look like Barbie, you don't think you're attractive like Barbie, then it obviously starts your life as a low self-worth. And, you know, it's, it's important to build their self-esteem, not tear it down at a young age. Absolutely. And what people didn't understand back then when we first launched the company, 64% of the population was at least a size 14 and above. And so for some people, that's huge. But for some people, that's a way of life. You know, they, they're cool with that. But that was the population. Like 64% of women in America was like a size 14 and up. Like there were there were very few people who were like under that. So, you know, we, we pushed that message out there. Our motto was, don't let what you weigh stand in your way. That was our motto. And that's the motto that I live by right now because I've been a plus size woman my entire life. My entire life. I recently lost like 120 pounds last year, but I've been a I've been a plus size woman my whole life. And I I've never let my weight stand in my way. And I think that's what a lot of people who gravitated to me, that's what they gravitated to me for because they saw me as a big girl, but I was doing things, I was making it happen. Like it's like, yeah, I gotta get this done. Like I can't be, you know, I can't not let this stand in my way. So that was the motto. Don't let what you weigh stand in your way. I love it. So tell me how did that spark the noise media network and the pot chicks international how those kind of all fit together okay so when i did the dolls we got written up in a ton of magazines we were on national television shows we were all over the place and i remember um we had just got written up in this magazine um i think it was called today's black woman tay Diggs was on the cover and i went inside a print shop to get a copy of the magazine and so when i went inside the print shop the guy who owned the print shop was launching a newspaper and I asked him, I said, listen, are you um, going to have a column on entrepreneurship? And he said, no, would you like to write it? And I was like, absolutely. So I became a columnist for a paper called Local Talk Newspaper. And then I became the associate editor for the paper like a couple of years later. And then um, from there, I launched my own newspaper called Women in Business Today. And someone at a radio station picked up my newspaper, invited me on as a guest on their radio show. He liked me so much, he asked me to co-host a show with him. I co-hosted the show with him for a year. And then my husband works in pharmaceutical. Um, they lost a patent to Senecott and um, we moved to North Carolina at that point. So I had to give up the radio show. But when I gave up the radio show, I moved to North Carolina. 
was driving down the highway in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, saw a TV station, did a U-turn. I said, no, let me go over there and see, can I pitch them my radio show for TV? And that's what I did, and they loved it. So they put me on television, David, and I did wow. that show on TV for a year. It was called Women in Business Today Again. And then my husband and I, we stayed there for two years. And then we moved back to New Jersey, which is where we we're from. I was born in Georgia, but I was raised in Jersey. So we moved back to New Jersey. Um, and when I got back to New Jersey, podcasting was just kicking off. And that's how I got into podcasting. So I had started podcasting back in 2009. And my show was called Business with Breakfast. I used to do a show every Tuesday morning at nine o'clock where I interview entrepreneurs and authors, mostly authors. Um, because that was it was so many authors at the time and it was hot. Amazon was hot. So it was mostly authors. And that's how I got into the podcasting space. And so um love this space, but couldn't figure out how to make any money in it way back then because you know it was like a hobby. I was doing I was using blog talk. It wasn't like Anchor and, and Spotify, it wasn't all these different platforms that was just blog talk radio. And I did that, but I did about 200 episodes over there on blogs. I think it was 215. And um, but I still couldn't figure out how to make money. So I kind of dropped it and I became a consultant for Rutgers University Small Business Development Center. And then I became a consultant for the King University Small Business Development Center. So I was consulting for entrepreneurs for about three years um, on the both of those uh, grant programs at the universities. And that kind of, you know, I was like, OK, I got to put podcasting to the side. Right around that time, my husband still in pharmaceutical. They downsized again because they lost a patent to a drug. And this time we moved to Georgia. And when we moved to Georgia, I had to start all over again. Started all over again, um, went to a film festival, got invited to a film festival. And when I got to the film festival, it was very interesting because I had never gone to one. It was the um, Black Atlanta Film Festival, I think it was, in Decatur, Georgia. And I, I met the film festival and I see these people who are filmmakers and they have like all these films and they were talking about filmmaking. Well, it was a marketing company who got up and spoke and they told the filmmakers, they said, um, we could get you distribution, um, but you probably won't see anything for like 15 years as far as a royalty. And I'm sitting in the front row like, did he say 15 years? Now, here's the thing, David. I had did a documentary myself. It's a, it's, a, it's an awful mess. I'm just going to tell you that right now, but it still sells to this day on Amazon. I did a, I did a documentary because I wanted to document my story about how I invented these dolls and, you know, my, 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 um, my progress like from from where I was then to you know where I was at that time from the beginning to where I was at that time so I had a little young guy he was a film student follow me around for three days and document my story of growing up in Newark New Jersey and going to West Side and getting kicked out of college and I'm the smart girl and all this this whole story and I had put the the, the video on Amazon and I was selling it for $27 so I'm sitting in the front row thinking do they know that there's a site called Amazon that they could put their their audio, their video on and sell it without like and make some money because I sell one at least once a year. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is crazy. Like there's digital distribution out there and these people don't even know it. They ran up there to give them the DVD. And the guy says, you're not going to make a dime for like 15 years. I'm like, what? I could not believe that. So that's how I got to launch HerTube because right around that time, they had all these membership sites popping up and I was on a membership site called Ning at the time. And I was like, you know what, maybe I could put like make this like a video site for them to distribute their films on here. So I started messing around with Ning and then I found out about Roku and I was like, Roku, let me see what that is. So I bought a Roku box and I'm looking at Roku and it got all these videos on there, these channels on there. And I'm thinking, how can I get my my HerTube TV on this Roku thing? So I started doing a lot of research about that, found out it was a lot of money 
I'm talking about $5,000, $10,000. Somebody told me $15,000. I was like, yep, that's not going to happen. But what happened was I kept doing my research until I found a, um, a open source uh, software and I learned how to use the software. And I set up my own Roku channel on Roku. And it was her too went to Roku then. And, um, and in 2014, Amazon came out the Amazon Fire Stick and they opened platform up to people who wanted to put content on their platform as well and then her two went to amazon so that's how i got into that whole tv media space and then last year i rebranded the company and i called it noise media so that's how i got to noise media long story wow wow <laughs> well as we said before we're out of time i'm just kidding <laughs> that's quite a journey but the thing about the journey is that you learn something every time you had to start over Yes. And you made changes and you made it better each and every time and you didn't stop. And that's, I think, the biggest mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs make is they hit that first obstacle and they just stop to go back to work for somebody else. As an entrepreneur, you hit a wall, you make a mistake, you bounce back and you bounce back. Oh, you got to move? Okay, start over again, start over again. And most people just don't have the patience to keep starting over as many times as you have. So I congratulate you on your journey and your perseverance and your persistence because that really is the biggest key to a successful entrepreneur. Yes. So thank you. as you discuss your journey from 1999 till current day, share with me a mistake you made and what you learned from that mistake, because I think it's important for people to realize we're all human. We all make mistakes, but it's what we learn from it and how we pivot or respond to that mistake. Oh, my God. I made so many over 23 years. Let me see. I think the biggest mistake I made was trying to do everything by myself. Um I had I had I had a lot of trust issues because I had had people who stabbed me in my back. So I figured I could do it all by myself and you can't do it all by yourself. You have to have someone to help you. Um, luckily, I had, you know, like a, a friend who had she's been through all my ventures with me. Um, and I would say that if you're thinking about starting a business, you have to trust somebody. Right. But put the necessary parameters in place. So if if they decide to stab in your back or try to take the company or whatever, you're protected from that. Because I think that's my biggest mistake. That has been um, one of the things that has held me back. The other thing I could tell that that held me back, and this is a good one. Um, I had a business coach and I had just spent $1,500 on this beautiful website. It was gorgeous. Audrey, the site is beautiful, but nobody knows what you do. And I was like, what do you mean? So here, here, right here I am, you know, I am woman. I could do it all. I could do it all. He said, but the site is pretty, but when they look at it, they don't know what you do. And I fought him on that and I dropped him as my business coach. And what I realized is that if you're not focused, you're going to be all over the place. And at that time I was all over the place and it, the site was gorgeous. I spent a lot of money to get it done. Um, but he was right. Nobody knew what I, what I did because I had so many things up there. Now it's pretty cut and dry. If you go to noise media, you know I focus mostly on voice marketing. Like this very, and that took me, that took me a minute to get to that point because I can't, when you're multi-talented and most entrepreneurs are, it's really hard to nail down one thing or a set of things that go together that you do. So one thing I would say is being focused on like one thing and, and trying to do everything by yourself. Makes sense. And obviously a business coach had great advice. You just weren't ready to listen just yet. Yes. And that's humbling. That's humbling as an entrepreneur mm -hmm. when someone tells you something that's right and you're not willing to face it yet and you just ignore it. And then maybe six months, a year later, you're like, man, I should listen to them a year ago. Let me tell you, David, it's very humbling. And I can tell you when it really humbled me, the girl, it was a girl that he was, um, she was his assistant. She wasn't even an entrepreneur. She was his assistant. And I remember I invited him out to speak to my church because um, he was really good. He had been on Oprah. He had made a million dollars. And so I invited him out to speak to my church. He came out to speak at the church. 
This girl was his assistant, but she followed everything he said to the T. She wound up being on national reality shows. I'm looking at her on TV like, I can't believe that she was the assistant. That, But that was because she was coachable and I wasn't. You know, I had been in the game for a minute by the time I got my coach. So I wasn't coachable. I knew everything. I had, you know, I done invented this doll. I'd have been all over the world talking and, you know, on TV. So I'm, I'm not coachable at all. And so she was very coachable and she bought, she went right past me. That's very humbling when you say I, she was the assistant, you know, so that was very humbling. Yeah. And that's, it's a part of the learning process. I mean, mm -hmm. None of us are perfect. And even once we arrive, it can, that arrival can go away really quickly and we're back to where we started. So I think it's stay humble, uh, keep grinding. And like you said, you got to trust somebody because you can only scale when you have a great team around you. So mm -hmm. at some point we have to let go and, and we have to listen I think the hardest part as an entrepreneur, definitely correct me if I'm wrong, we get so many calls, so many emails from people mm -hmm. saying, hey, let me redesign your website. Let me fix your social media. Let me help you organically. Do you show up on Google? It's, at some point, we just filter all that out as just being garbage, and we're just going to keep moving forward. And you just got to find those right people, which sound like you did, that really had good advice. It's just a matter of realizing they actually know what they're talking about. They had the experience. They had the success. And they can help you grow. But we have to be ready for that. You know, that's that's really the hard part is how do you filter out all the noise that's out there when we're trying to be successful? And it's a lot of noise. I, I've never had so many, so many uh, in, uh, um, emails on LinkedIn in my life before. I've been on LinkedIn probably for a very long time. That's actually my biggest social networking platform with most of my, my followers and friends. And I hadn't since the pandemic, I'm talking about a ton of emails in my inbox. I could do this. I could do that. I'm like, oh, my God. And you want to be courteous and try to answer them all. But it is like it becomes a nightmare because it's just people like, hey, I see that we have something in common. And so you don't want to ignore people. I can't tell you this. Right. There was a young guy who reached out to me um, about two weeks ago from India and um, I needed a video. I had did an interview with someone, a video interview. And. I had a coughing spell right in the middle of the interview. And I was like, oh my God, I had to get up out of my seat. So I was like, I need somebody to just do this because I really don't feel like being bothered with it. And he popped up in my LinkedIn. He said, I'm a video editor. And I was like, let me see some of your work. So he sent me a link to his work and I hired him on the spot. It was like a Sunday morning, like at eight o'clock in the morning. I don't know what time it was in India. And he was so excited and so was I. Like I got up out the bed and I sent him the, the video link. He edited, he cut that part. I sent it right back to me. So it works. But I think it works when you send out exactly what you do. So people don't have to, I don't feel time. I don't have time to read a long old email. He said, this is what I do. Video editing, great. And I went look at his work and I hired him. So he was excited. He just emailed me this morning. You got more work to me? I'm like, not yet, but soon. Hold on. Um, <laughs> All right. That's so much more now. So there are good things. That's the nice thing about it, too, is, you know, you have an opportunity. Maybe it's a sign. Maybe it's a time. And sometimes you take a chance and give him an opportunity to show you what he can do. And he, he did a great job. And now you have a, a video editing guy that's ready at your beck and call. Yes. I'm sure it's pretty affordable as well. Very affordable. I was like, he said twenty five dollars. I was like, what? My husband said, done. You know how many, how much money that is? I think he said rubies or rubles. I was like, I have no idea. All I know in American dollars, twenty five dollars. <laughs> That's right, done. You can do one for me every day. I can. I'll be, I'll be your content manager from now on. Yes, yes, yes. Well, now I want to wrap it up, Audrey. To be respectful for your time, give me a success story, whether it's your own personal success story or maybe a client to work with that they experienced great success based on the consulting you've done. Uh, share a story with us so we can hear a highlight or you know, someone that went from low to medium to high or just someone that 
turned a corner that you're really proud of. And it could be you too. Well, I, I got a client that I'm going to tell you about. She's amazing. She's a client. She's been working with me since um, the end of last year. She's a pastor. And so you asked me about pot chicks earlier. So I spoke at Podfest this March. I spoke at She Podcast last year in September. And um, I have a I have my insurance license. So I had to go get my license. Um, I had to go to my get my CEUs for my license. So I was at a meeting. There was a woman at this meeting. Someone asked me what else did I do? And I said, well, I'm a podcaster. And so the woman stopped. She said, you know, I've been thinking about starting a podcast. And I said, oh, yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm giving a training next Saturday, which I was. I was doing a podcast training called Podcasting 101. And she said, well, I need to take that class. And I said, well, absolutely join me. So she took the class. And she said to me after class, I need a little bit more work. So we, she paid me like $500. We spent three hours just getting everything done. I got her first three episodes launched in three hours. She thought that was amazing. We did her cover art. We did everything in three hours. Well, she has gone on. She says, I have never been in a space like this. She loves it. She's a pastor. She's interviewing other pastors from around the world. And I talk to her almost daily because now she's like my friend. It's, it's amazing. But just to see where she had come from. Now she has a workshop that she's doing called um, We Need to Pray. Um, she has a beautiful workbook. She has a book. She is doing amazing things in this space. And it was all because she reached out to me and said, hey, I want to launch a podcast. She's like my, my favorite story. There's another story, though. There's a guy. He owns a barbershop and he has um, he talks to a lot of people because he cuts hair. And he said to me, he took my classes. Well, he said, I want to start a podcast. I said, what's the name of the podcast? He said, people think about it. I thought that was the best name ever. And he's in the process of launching that podcast from being a barber. You know, and he I said, how did you find me? He said, I found you on LinkedIn and on a meetup. And I was like, really? He said, yeah, I was searching for like how to start a podcast. And your name popped up because I have a I have a meetup group called Podcast Posse. And so when I um, when I got finished speaking at Podfest this year, I wrote a book to the called Podchicks. And, I, and that book was born out of me going to Podfest last year as an attendee in 2019. Fast forward to 2020. I was a speaker. And so I wrote a book because I met so many amazing women last year called Pod Chicks. And when I, this year, I was like, okay, I need to do something else with the, with Pod Chicks. It's a book. What else can I do? And I launched a membership site. But the membership site was is really for women who are serious about learning how to leverage podcasting. And because there are different ways to do that. You can leverage it as a podcaster yourself. You can be a guest as a podcaster, or you can sponsor a podcast. And I teach them how to do all that stuff in that membership. So, you know, I have quite a few success stories. I have a woman right now. She's coming out of a horrible, horrible marriage, David. I'm talking about it's something that should be on Lifetime TV. And she's podcasting about that. Like we're launching her podcast right now to tell that story. But in a very and she's also like a pastor, but she's very young. Um, but to hear her tell that story is like it's like chilling. And so it's just it's you know, it, this has been a great platform for me. Um, it's very fulfilling. Because I give it gives people the opportunity to share their voice and it gives me an opportunity to share my experience with people so they can share their voice. Exactly right. I, I think someone that gets out of a bad marriage, it's not only therapeutic for them to talk about it, but it's nice to know they're not the only ones. To so the listeners, it's, it's therapeutic for them as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so there, there's a lot of good in podcasting and it allows you to be creative and have great guests like yourself that have a million things going on. There's a million things we can learn from you. Uh, do me a favor. Uh, let's wrap up with your contact information. Obviously, I hope someone was taking notes of this interview because there was so much great content dropped that I was writing as fast as I could. I know I didn't get it all. <laughs> so definitely have to listen to the podcast a second or a third time. 
Uh, how can people get a hold of you? Website, social media, phone number, email, whatever you feel like giving out. So right now, I'm nurturing women who want to launch their own podcast. But gentlemen, if you got a question for me, you can reach out to me. It's Audrey at podchicks.com. And that's P-I-P-O-D-C-H-I-X.com, podchicks.com. And if you have some women out there who are interested in learning how to leverage this industry, you know, if you want to learn how to get your podcast on Alexa and Amazon, all these places that my podcast is on, um, join the community. It's brand new. Um, and it's podchicks.com. Excellent. Well, Audrey, you've been a refreshing uh, interview. I love all that you're doing. I love your grind. I love the fact you're an inventor. I don't have a lot of inventors in the show because there aren't a lot of them out there. Uh, <laughs> and also good for you to know, 5% of all inventions ever hit the market. So you're wow. in an elite class that you brought your product to market and sold some. And I'm sure you helped a lot of little girls realize this is the reality of how people really are. And obviously all the things you're doing with podcasting, helping people connecting people, networking with people. I, I'm just so honored to have you on the show. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. And I appreciate you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. You have a wonderful day. Thank you. You do the same. Thanks, Audrey. Bye-bye, David. Take care. If you're a business owner struggling to crack the online advertising space, not being able to generate the results that you thought you were advertising online, whether it be by yourself or through other businesses, other companies, I think it's time that you take control of that aspect of your business. Nothing is going to grow your business like proper marketing online. Nothing's going to generate the revenue that you want and free yourself from the business itself by not worrying about where the next customer is going to come from, like digital marketing is for your company. So instead of outsourcing that to other companies time and time again, where you feel burned and you feel like you're not going to get the results that you you were uh, you were wanting to get for your company. All you have to do is just visit www.brilliantmarketers.com in order to take control of your business and not allow other people to put that control in their hands. You as a business owner have control over everything inside of your company. Why is it the one thing that you're giving to other people responsibility of? is getting you more customers. Why not take control of that for yourself? So if you're tired of getting the lack of results that you wanted, if you're tired of getting burned by other people doing the marketing for you, and you wanna take control over that aspect of your business and stop hitting those plateaus of revenue numbers that you're always hitting time and time again because you lack the digital marketing aspect in your company, just visit www.brilliantmarketers.com and start taking control over your business. Perky LLC is a clothing innovation company. We bring products to market that solve clothing-related problems. The first product I'm going to discuss is the Perky Collar. It is a collar support system for dress shirts. Don't you hate it when your collar lays flat, tucks under, one's up, one's down, totally lays flat when you wear a blazer? Well, no more. Here's how it works. Whether you're wearing a button-down shirt or a non-button-down shirt, it works with either one. Lift your collar up, put the perky collar on the collar chamber of your shirt, and then lay your collar down on top of it. Look in the mirror and adjust it so it's even from around your neck. Again, the perky collar sits on the shirt, doesn't touch your neck directly, and weighs less than a half an ounce. So virtually, it's invisible and it's weightless. You'll see an amazing difference in how great your collar perks up every time you put on your perky collar. To order, go to perkyllc.com. 